What's up, everything? The NHL draft is coming on, but did Doug Armstrong even know it was happening? If mysterious trips down hallways count for anything, then Army was the bell of the ball. But it ultimately came to nothing as the Blues merely made their six selections and flew home. Now, Blues fans are split about how they should feel. If you want someone to tell you how you should feel, you've come to the right place. So let's get started and let's go Blues! It is Sunday, June, it is Saturday, June 23rd, smashing start, (laughs) and uh, we are here at the conclusion of the NHL draft, coming to you from the dark and seedy corner of the least reputable bar in the entire Dallas-Fort Worth area, drinking away our sadness. (laughs) How are you doing today, Ian? I'm not. It's crazy sad. I'm just mildly sad. <laughs> More bored than anything. Yeah, you're right. You came over at 10 in the morning mm-hmm. before the sun was even up. And I'm still tired. <laughs> exactly. And we have nothing to talk about. So thank you all for joining us. See you later. Mm-hmm. All right. So the Blues drafted. Things happened. And we'll do, we'll talk about all of it. We'll talk about, like, the two trades that happened at the draft. Mm-hmm. And th- we'll give our takes on the picks, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we expect next, I guess. And that will be that. <laughs> so, uh, the Blues entered the picks, uh, excuse me, the draft, with a pick in each round. Uh, their own pick in rounds two through seven, and uh, the Winnipeg Jets pick. In round one, they had surrendered their pick, which I believe was 14th overall, to Mm -hmm. the Flyers, um, who, uh, as as part of the Braden Shin slash getting rid of Yori Laterra deal, um, and they had had traded Paul Stastny to the Winnipeg Jets and gotten a first-round pick back uh, at the deadline last year. So that's how they ended up with Winnipeg's pick, and now they're not their own, which all of you knew. So there you go. Uh, But they entered the night with Winnipeg's 29th pick. However, they did not use the pick. Uh, They traded up to 25th overall, four slots ahead, uh, to take the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs pick from young and dashing GM Kyle Dubas, and in exchange, Toronto received the 29th pick and our third round selection, uh, which was in the 70s somewhere. And the Blues uh, traded up to draft a player named Dominic Bach, who is a right winger of German origin, who currently plays for the Vexio Lakers in the Swedish Elite League. He is, uh, what, 18, I think, right? Mm and is a young, uh, raw German talent. So uh, Dominic Bach, let's see, is a player that the Blues were really high on. They apparently told Bach on Thursday that they would trade up to get him if he fell, I guess, to that pick. I don't know where they knew 
mm-hmm. you know, if, if they were like, well, we, we've already talked to Kyle Dubas and we can make this trade or whatever the case may be. Um, but uh, they traded up to get him. And I think that the blanket thing I will say is that while we will have plenty of problems to discuss with the Blues GM and the front office uh, in the minutes, hours, and weeks to come. <laughs> uh, I do think the Blues have generally earned our trust in the draft, and especially if, if they sink their teeth into someone and decide they want to trade up for them, uh, I think that's just generally we, we need to trust them until we're proven wrong because they yeah. have a good history of you know, finding players in good spots. Tarasenko, they took a chance on, I think, traded up or down to get him at some yeah, point. Yeah, like two spots after Schwartz. Yeah. Um, Tage Thompson recently, who, while we may be a little lower on, is still considered a pretty good prospect. Um, you know, different guys in different mm. places. But they have a pretty good track ref- record in the draft, I think. Uh, so generally, overall, we give them our. I give them my trust. Uh, Bach is an 18-year-old right-handed shot winger from uh, Schweinfurt in Germany. He was selected ninth overall in the 2017 Canadian Hockey League foreign import draft by the Prince Albert Raiders of the WHL. Uh, but obviously, he neglected to play for the Raiders. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, he recorded 14 goals and 27 assists in 35 games with the Vexio Junior team, under 20 years old in Sweden this year. And he played, I think, 15 games with the senior team and yeah, struggled team. to make a big impact. But he's a tiny 18-year-old at the moment, so that's nothing to be too panicky yeah, about. They saw enough in him to use him yeah, at exactly. that level, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Um, he currently measures at 6'1", but 180 pounds, so good height, decent height, but mm-hmm. kind of wiry at the moment. Uh, he, he is considered the best German prospect since Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, who I am confident he'll be playing on a line with in a few years. Not really. That's not going to happen. But uh, um, I'm trying to see who wrote this. Ian McIntyre of Sportsnet wrote, While Bach may be flattered by the comparison to Dreisaitl, he refused to actually do what Dreisaitl did to make it to the NHL, play for the Prince Albert Raiders of the Western Hockey League. And that decision adds another layer to the box scouting report, because Sweden's Junior League isn't exactly the CHL, so the 18-year-old's success there in his draft year, 41 points in 35 games, is tempered by the quality of the competition. Had Bach, say, managed to average his 1.17 points per game as a WHL rookie, he wouldn't be far behind CHL imports Andrei Svechnikov and Philip Zadina near the top of this year's draft class. Svechnikov, of course, went second to the Carolina Hurricanes and Zadina sixth to the Detroit Red Wings. We'll talk about them probably a little bit at the end of uh, this. Um, so Dreisaitl did actually play for the Prince Albert Raiders and made his name there before oh, he was weird. drafted. Yeah, which is an interesting point. Apparently they have a tendency to like really like German players. Uh, Bach wanted to play for an OHL team, and so when a WHL team drafted him, he almost immediately declined to report and chose to play mm-hmm. in Sweden instead. Um, Bill Armstrong has compared Dominic Bach to Nikolai Ehlers. Uh he was quoted after the draft as saying, uh, he's got good skill and he can think at high speeds. The intriguing part about him is how quick he can think with the puck. He needs to bulk up, but he's got elite speed. He's still raw. He's a couple years away, uh, but when he comes over, he's got what we need. 
much like uh, what's his name's girlfriend mm-hmm. in that song. Oh, baby, you. Yes. What? What's you got the, what Bismarcky? That's what I couldn't think of. Um, so I've got a wall of quotes I can read about Dominic Bach, but before I do some of that, what are your thoughts on this player so far? Uh, when we first drafted him, I think I felt kind of like I did with Robert Thomas last year. Where I was like, sounds like a good player, but nothing's popping off the board to me, especially when you have announcers kind of going, hey, that's pretty good. And you're like, yeah. okay, I'm not, thr- I'm already not thrilled. Um, but hearing more about him. Cheering for you. And you don't have the opposite Pierre Maguire being furious about the pick, which is the mm-hmm. best guarantee of NHL success. That's true. I wish he would have just hated Dominic Bach. <laughs> but looking at him more and hearing about him more, I'm a little more excited. I think he's going to say what they say, be two year, I mean, two or three years away for sure. So he's not someone that's going to jump off the mm-hmm. board and be on the Blues in you know a year or two. But it's... It's interesting. I kind of like the Ehlers comparison. We need someone with speed. I like that it's speed that they're looking for. It's another hockey IQ guy that seems to be Bill Armstrong's MO. So that's always nice. And if you said he's just behind, supposedly could have been behind uh, Zadina and Sveshnikov. Mm -hmm. If he had played over here and put up those same numbers in the uh, CHL. I mean, that's pretty impressive if that's what he could have done, maybe. And we don't know for sure, but if those numbers translated over here which they might have you know you might have a player on your hands that could have gone top 10 or something yeah. like that so it'll be interesting I think it's a little lower key of a pick for me just because he's a winger you know it's not a it's not a big defenseman it's not a center which we kind of like and we go for a few more but I he is know. a right winger with a right-handed shot. So at least. that's true. So, that is something we do need. I mean, of we might we still need, need other than number one center, which you're not probably going to draft at that point in the draft anyway. True. Right shot forwards, maybe top of the list. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, this is not against Dominic Bach at all as a as a player or anything, uh-huh. or even really as his character. But when he walked up after we drafted <laughs> him, he was chewing gum the whole time. And Spit it, it out, Dominic. Felt weird to me. It's the first thing that popped in my head, and maybe that's why I started off with a lower opinion Some, of him. This may be okay in Germany, but here in the United States, yeah, swallow it. Just swallow. It. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm this whole draft to me, no one really, I don't know, pops off the page at me where I'm like, ooh, this could be something really good. Maybe a few of these later picks, but we'll get to those. Yeah. Um, so I've got a lot from Corey Prom, and I'm going to actually try and find the stuff that isn't from him uh, before because he's got a lot, and he really likes him, which I'm excited about. Um, let's see. This is for me a McIntyre of Sportsnet uh, again. I think it was Sportsnet. Let me find it. Yeah, Sportsnet. He says, uh, regardless of his league and draft position, Bach's dynamic qualities stand out. He's regarded as one of the best one-on-one forwards in the draft, a fast, shifty winger with wonderful hands and puck skills. The guy can dangle. Bach's still learning to play in his half of the rink and build consistency in his game, although he appears to possess a high offensive ceiling. But playing in the second-tier junior league in Sweden makes it slightly harder to gauge where that ceiling might be, which is why teams in the top half of the first round aren't likely to risk a pick on maybe the next Dreisaitl, which is obviously written before the draft. Mm -hmm. I like the phrase of maybe the next Dreisaitl. Please. Um... German coach Franz Fritz, Frit, excuse me, German coach Franz Frittmeier, I try to pronounce German names very 
very correct way, so I apologize. Uh, he says, Bach is the greatest German talent after Leon Dreisaitl, and he's going to be a star in the NHL. So high praise from him. James Myrtle says, I want to draft Dominic Bach's bow tie. So good for him, because he did have a very dapper <laughs> It was very bow tie. snazzy. Um, but Corey Promen had a lot to say. He actually specifically wrote an article. He's the the... the um, prospect expert with the athletic, and I really like his stuff a lot. He was really high on Robert Thomas and has been for a while. Um, but he wrote on the athletic uh, an article specifically before the draft, trying to kind of sell sell people on Dominic Bach. And he said, what's evident from watching roughly 15 of his games this season is his skill and creativity. He's one of the most skilled players in the draft. His puck handling is elite for a player his size, and when I've talked to his management from German national teams, they specifically point to his skill as his best attribute. He says, I'd characterize Bach as a playmaker, but he has a very good shot. He says his skating is decent. I think he can turn on the Jets when he needs to turn the corner, so to speak, on a defender, but I wouldn't characterize him as explosive, and his first few steps aren't great. For what it's worth, one NHL executive described his skating as a strength, but I haven't seen that in my viewings. That executive was Bill Armstrong. (laughs) Uh, Should we be worried about his low production? Uh, He says, I definitely see evidence of a lagging period of production for players coming outside of nations considered in the top tier, and he cites Dreisaitl, Kopitar, and Lars Eller as examples, although you could say Lars Eller still lags in production. (laughs) Uh, He said he lacks defense and physicality, though he does play regularly on the penalty kill for the junior team and has shown, quote, a good pickpocket stick to put pressure on players on the forecheck. Um, And then when he was responding to... Uh, the actual draft pick, he said, Bach's pure puck skill is up there with the very best in the draft class. He dances with the puck on his stick and can make flashy deeks seem routine. His hands also translate to making him one of the best pickpockets I've seen at this age. He's a good playmaker who looks to make plays to his teammates and has the patience and skill to hold the puck and let an option develop. He can finish chances, too, and when he's played internationally, the German team has looked to him as a trigger man. His skating is fine, not explosive, but average. The main criticism of him is off the puck. He's not a very intense physical player, nor is he great defensively. But the Blues got one of the most talented playmakers in the draft in Bach. He's only played one year of high-level hockey and needs work rounding, rounding out his game. But man, can he make elite plays. Skill and offensive IQ for miles with Bach. With Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Quim Coaston, and company... Bach joins a high-end group of scoring talent in the Blues system. In my view, one of the best picks of the night. So that's good. That's nice. I like all of that. And before the draft, he said, I know Bach isn't a known name as the rest of the stop prospects in the 2018 class, but in my opinion, he's right there in talent. He's shown he's worth a top selection in the upcoming NHL draft. I urge NHL fans to get familiar with him and for NHL teams to take him for a spin. So there you go. Now what do you think? <laughs> now I think he's great. Um, yeah, I mean, high praise. I hope he can live up to that sort of potential. I wonder how long it is until he's in North America. You know, he'll be at the prospect um, camp next week, but then I just wonder if he plays. I'm sure he plays another year in Sweden this year, but I wonder if the year after next if he comes over and plays in the AHL. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't w- know if he'll be of age. I guess it depends. I wonder if... 
the Blues, or maybe they have no desire to particularly, but I wonder if they could convince him to play in the WHL or something, you yeah. know, or um, if they'd just rather he go play for the Swedish team, you know, for the grown-ups, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, although he could still play for the under-20s, I suppose. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I do think most people think he's at least a year plus away from the NHL, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, we need prospects long-term, too, so that's fine. Mm. And if the ceiling's higher but the weight's a little longer, I'm fine with that, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately I'm I'm fairly excited about Bach. Uh, there weren't any players near the end of the first round that really jumped off the page at you. I wouldn't have been upset if we'd taken a defenseman there, but we did take a defenseman with our next pick. Um, and I think, you know, we've we need more scoring obviously this isn't an immediate answer to that but if he gives you that in droves down the line then it's a great pick Mm -hmm. and if he busts then it's not a great pick but it's the right spot in the draft to kind of maybe take a risk reward rather than taking a guy who yeah he's probably definitely got you know third line pretty good nhl player potential but he doesn't necessarily yeah. have the p- chance to be, you know, top six mm-hmm. elite player. And I think prior to 2014, was it, when we drafted Fabry, I think we really always went for guys that were like, oh, he's a good all-around player, mm-hmm. but, like, doesn't have the skill to spare. So, like yeah. you're saying, it's nice that it's like, well, at least we have someone in our organization you can point to and go, well, that guy should be able to score. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the Blues moved on and nothing else happened in the first round of the draft really for any team there weren't i mean there were a couple of trades up Mm -hmm. and down but nothing significant i think the one thing we didn't mention is that a little before the draft uh the washington capitals traded philip grubauer to the colorado avalanche for their second round pick Mm -hmm. and uh they also got brooks orpit back which was part of the deal for Washington's side um, because they wanted to get rid of his $5.5 million contract. And it sounds like the cat, uh, the Avalanche are just going to buy him out. Mm-hmm. So now they have Grubauer, who's a goalie we talked about last episode that we would really have loved to get. Um, and it remains to be seen if they're going to just start both or, you know, play both he and Varlamov for a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. oh. Wow, excuse me, that was weird. Or if they're going to try and uh, try and unload one or the other. I mean, presumably they wouldn't just flip Grubauer, but maybe they could. I don't know. You never know. Maybe they didn't like the second round this year, and they're going to flip him for better stuff because they could afford to do the Orpic deal. Who knows? But mm-hmm. uh, more likely than not, they're going to flip uh, Varlamov if they flip either. Um, but I think it's very possible they just play with both this year and then kind of let Grubauer take over going mm-hmm. forward, and then they don't have that concern entering next year's off season. Um, any comments on that before we move on? Or no, on the first round in uh, general. Uh, first round, the only two things I was thinking of was Ottawa with the fourth overall got Brady Kachuk. Oh yes, which is too yeah. bad, Brady. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't we talk about just the top? 10 yeah. or so for a minute, probably not top 10. But obviously, first overall was Rasmus Dahlin. Nobody, Boring. everybody saw that coming. <laughs> uh, he's been called a general generational talent, which depends on your definition of generational a little bit, I suppose. But he's going to be a very good player for mm-hmm. a very long time. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes got Andrei Svechnikov second overall, who is 
a Russian or Czech player, but who has been playing in the in the CHL. Um, he's supposed to be an elite goal scorer, mm. um, so I'm excited about him entering the league and maybe provides that little bit of punch Carolina needs to get over the hump and into the playoffs. Um, but who knows exactly. Uh, third was, oh, it was the Canadians <laughs> taking, was it, is it Jess Perry? Is that his first yeah, name? Just- Kat Kanyemi. Kakamami. Uh, who Darren Pang accidentally referred to as Kakamami on NHL <laughs> Network. Uh, but he's a center who was probably expected to go a little lower than that. Uh, but the um, Canadians picked him as their answer at center. Uh, not a great draft pick to me, only because he's not NHL ready. And so I don't know why you'd draft for need at third overall unless he's NHL ready to mm-hmm. fill a need, and this guy isn't. So it's just another kind of vexatious move by the Montreal Canadiens, and maybe maybe their hope was they could trade down, and that just didn't materialize, and they decided they had to go with mm-hmm. the guy they wanted. But uh, whatever the case, they picked Kotkaniemi, as you said, Brady Kachuk, his poor soul went two spots higher than his brother to the uh, Ottawa Senators, so he will be playing with a bunch of dustbins and nobody's <laughs> next year. Uh, I'm sorry, Brady. He he's uh, Matthew at least wants him to stay in college for a year or two to play there, so mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, I, Matthew doesn't presumably make his decisions for him, and I'm sure if the Senators say, no, we want you here, they prob- probably play in the NHL, but... Um, I'd try and stay away from that organization as long as I could. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I can't remember who went fifth, but I know Philip Zadina, who was projected mm-hmm. as the possible third overall pick, uh, went sixth to the Detroit Red Wings because, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, other notable picks, I know the 10th tenth, tenth pick, which Edmonton got. Uh, Dobson? Was Dobson the one? I think yeah, Noah I think, Dobson. I yeah. think he was. Or was he the Islanders guy? Bouchard was the. Oh, Edmonton yeah, Bouchard is Edmonton. Uh, but they were talking about trading down from there and ultimately didn't. And then, uh, what's his name? The the crappy kid went to the San Jose. Oh, Sharks. Ryan Merkley. Ryan Merkley, yeah, the kid with the attitude problem. He sounded a little like a little like a douche on his interview yeah. with the lady afterwards. Uh, and by that, he, he what, seemed what a I re- little too happy. What it I really feels mean, weird to say that. Yeah, but. what I really mean is that he sounded confident and self assured, which is not what any of the other players sounded yeah, like. I guess so that's maybe true. that's unfair to knock him for that. But you're supposed to be calm and passive in the NHL, Ryan. Not. He really believes in himself. He yeah. believes in himself a little too much. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, any other comments you wanted to make from the first round? I know I cut you off and you had a second point to make, which no, I think that was, was rude. I think it was Ryan Merkley okay. was what I was going to say. Um, and then no one, I really wanted someone to draft Akil Thomas. I can't remember where he went or what team you went to now. But it was like in the second, like mid-second round. I think. Okay. It was mid-second, yeah. But, yeah, I was like, holy cow, that took a while for a guy that I thought was most certainly going to go in the first yeah, a couple of players went way higher, and a couple of players fell a long way. Hmm. Uh, Joe Veleno fell. He was like the 14th-ranked prospect and fell to Detroit at like 30. Yep. Um, and there were a lot of defensemen taken in the first round. 13, I think, the most ever, and no yeah. goalies. So. And a fair amount of uh, Americans. Yeah. Uh, Americans and then Swedish defensemen. Yeah. Uh, so it was, I mean, it was an interesting first round if you knew a fair amount about the prospects, but if you were just coming out 
coming in hoping to see some action and shake up. There was nothing for you. Sorry. And that would continue on into the second day <laughs> of action uh, when the Blues had now five picks across the six rounds. Uh, their second rounder and then their fourth, fifth, and sixth, and seventh round picks. Um, yeah, basically one big trade happened on day two, and we'll talk about it in a while. Uh, the day started off pretty early with the news that uh, the Los Angeles Kings had agreed to terms with uh, Ilya Kovalchuk, the much sought-after Russian free agent. Obviously, most of you listening to this will know who Ilya Kovalchuk is, but he was a longtime Atlanta Thrasher and then New Jersey Devil. He was never a wild player, right? Mm-hmm. Or, well, not the wild. Is that where the Thrashers moved? Yes, it is. No, they moved to Winnipeg. They moved to Winnipeg. He was yes. never a Jet player. Was no, he? he wasn't. He also was never a wild player. But my brain farted. <laughs> uh, so they signed him for three years at an average annual value of $6.25 million. Basically the Patrick Marlowe deal, uh, which at the time we panned for Patrick Marlowe. So I'm going to pan it for Ilya Kovalchuk too. I'll double down. I'll eat another sock. <laughs> if Ilya Kovalchuk is still on the L.A. Kings at the end of his contract. Oh, I forgot you said you were going to get a I got two sock. socks on the line. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a fine move if you think you need goal scoring help this year and Mm -hmm. he's going to provide it and cap is going up huge amounts so you can probably afford it. But man, I just, I'm glad the boys didn't take that risk as much as they were talked about as a player for Kovalchuk. And I'm sure St. Louis didn't appeal to Kovalchuk at all. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush there. I'm sure he had no interest in coming to boring mcboring town midwest city (laughs) i love st louis just for the record but let's be real it's not la um this whole weekend makes me feel really bad about st louis yeah it does we'll talk about it more folks um i wonder if Ilya kolchuk still has the speed i mean he played last year in the khl so you can just watch a video and know if he does so i haven't so i don't know but he's 35 now uh, so it, if he has it, it's not going to stay forever, <laughs> you know. So. I just wonder if he's like a Yamir Yager yeah. type. You I'm, know, I'm glad generally to have him back in the league. I mean, I think he he's a really good player, and I, it's better for the league to have good players. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad he's not in our division and not really our problem. <laughs> Agreed. That's the how Kings, I kind of felt. The Kings were going to beat us three times <laughs> next year, anyways. So. That's how I felt when he signed. I'm like, I'm kind of glad you're back. I just don't really need you on my team necessarily yeah, exactly i think that's a fair description uh so nothing much else happened during the day and i should say that if you're worried that the same amount of text that we read at you for dominic bach is going to happen we know increasingly less about all these yeah. prospects <laughs> as is the nature of the nhl draft i think everyone knows increasingly less about all of these prospects uh but with our 25th or no, that I went back up to Bach. Excuse me. With our second selection, the 45th pick in the 2018 draft, the Blues selected Scott Perunovich, a defenseman who currently plays for the University of Minnesota at Duluth Bulldogs, who I believe were national champions this mm-hmm. year. Um, he is 19 years old. He's five foot nine inches tall. He's tiny. He Darren Pang can look him. In the Adam's apple, he's so short. Uh, He's 172 pounds, uh, but he had 11 goals and 25 assists with a plus 22 rating last year. Uh, Perunovic 
is 20 years old and this was his third draft eligible year. He said not be he said being undersized, he's been overlooked his entire career, but it's kept him motivated. He added that his dad is 6'3", so he's still holding out hope, which is a quote from Jeremy Rutherford, which I assume he was saying as a joke, and if so, great sense of humor. But if he was saying it for real, he's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, but that, I mean, maybe you have an inch or two in there, which would mm-hmm. make a big difference. Um, so one, some of the experts, Greg Ranginen of the NHL Central Scouting Bureau said uh, he has an elite hockey IQ, which is a phrase you'll hear a lot around the St. Louis elite. Blues. Uh, he's really good puck mover that took off this year. Seems like he has the puck all the time. Uh, so the Blues love hockey IQ. That's the, their favorite attribute to draft. So they get another guy with a lot of it. Uh, his main asset, says Corey Pronman, is his high-end hockey IQ. <laughs> he displays great vision and offensive instinct with the puck. He has the patience to wait out options and find guys through tight lanes and the creativity to try things other players won't because they're bad ideas. <laughs> no, um, some other Twitter account that I failed to remember the name of said, great pick by the Blues. Size is why he was passed up for two years, but is more NHL ready. But he's 5'9 for a blue liner, so I can't decide if he thinks size is a problem or mm-hmm. if he doesn't. Uh, what do you think about Scott Perunovich? Who's uh, that wild defenseman that's really small? Spurgeon? Matt Dumba. Well, Matt Dumba's not that big either. I think Jared Spurgeon, the one that's got to be like 5'10. Okay. Jared Spurgeon. But I mean, he's Jacob a... Truba. He's a good defenseman, and he doesn't, you know, he even throws his body around for being a smaller guy. It can, it used to be a problem. I don't think it is anymore with the league leaning towards a little less physicality, or maybe not less physicality, but less reckless physicality. Mm-hmm. So I think you can have somebody like that. I mean, we've got Vince Dunn, who I don't think is... Jared Spurgeon is 5'9", 168. So. Boom. This guy is Jared Spurgeon <laughs> right now. Just come to the Blues. You're fine. Um, left-handed... Left-hand defenseman, that seems to be the general easier defenseman to find just because those are right-handed people. There's just more of them. Yeah. Um, but he reminds me, I guess, in that sense, what I was trying to say is of sort of a Vince Dunn. Smaller guy, but um, hockey IQ out the wazoo, and apparently. Vince is done with your... Sh- <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I read a few things for HockeyWriters.com that said he's got blazing speed and agility, uh, really good in both ends of the ice. So, I mean, that's always good to hear from a defensive uh, prospect because a lot of the time everyone's good offensively. That's what's flashy and that's what gets you noticed. So it's nice to hear that he's more balanced. Mm -hmm. It might just be because he's older too. Like you said, he's going to be 20 by the time his sophomore year starts. So Uh he's kind of already developed. So I'm I'm interested to see if maybe he does next year and then maybe his junior year and then maybe he already jumps to the AHL with us. You know, he might be a little quicker to be seen in a blues uniform than probably any of these prospects. I, well, I will say a hot take. I will (laughs) say a hot take, but I'll say it later. Uh, Um, All right. I'm going to remember. I'm going to remind you. So I, I'm more excited about this pick than I thought I was Mm -hmm. because everything I read is like, he got passed up because of size, all of that, and that's fine. But if the size is the only problem with him, and he would have been, you know, a top, a top fifteen pick if he was six one, then that's a stupid reason to let him fall to forty fifth overall. Yeah, you know? the Blues wanted this guy. Yeah, I mean, obviously they draft him, they wanted him, but they wanted him enough that they had his name stitched on the back of his jersey already. Yeah, so they really yeah. felt 
Uh, even Bill Armstrong said Keith Kachuk was like pressuring them to like take a look at this guy over and over again. Uh, Chris Peters of ESPN said he's college, college hockey's rookie of the year. Not not this year, I think. Maybe this year. Uh, it was his, it was his freshman okay. year this year. Uh, he's been a while. It's been a wild few years for him getting passed over in the draft twice. But he was one of college hockey's best defensemen this year and led UMD in scoring as they won the national title. Uh, I believe he was nominated as a finalist for the Hobie Baker Award. Uh, no, ex- excuse me, that was a later pick of ours. Um, but you know, he just a great college player. Uh, Andy Strickland said, I'm a big fan of Scott Perunovich's game. He was an absolute stud during the World Juniors Championship for Team USA and in the NCAA tourney with Minnesota Duluth. Went undrafted two years in a row. Game suited for today's NHL. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to, I'm sorry, I'm trying to see what I have and have not read. <laughs> uh, and then Bill Armstrong's, Bill Armstrong's, response of him was the more we watched him the more we fell in love with him he's a kid that led his team led his team and took control of the national championship he's dynamic especially on the off season's offensive side of the puck he's good on the power play and he really pushes the play speed matters you can't really clutch and grab as much he's gonna blend into the national hockey league so my hot take is i could see this guy pushing for but probably not getting a roster spot even this year oh because very hot i i don't i mean everything i'm reading says he's nhl ready he's just small and he's not gonna become unsmall he can add weight Mm -hmm. but he's not gonna be six three at any point unless he has that magic growth spurt he's hoping for you know Mm -hmm. uh now that's probably a little too hot but i don't think it's gonna be real long until we see this guy Mm-hmm. As you were saying, uh, just because his skill set's there, and while we have left-handed defensemen and Dunn and Edmondson, um, we're not deep on them really at the moment. I mean, we're deep, but we're narrow. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're all kind of the same and not great. So um, yeah, I think it'd be an interesting piece. You could see, you could potentially see he and Dunn quarterbacking two power plays down the road Mm -hmm. and you know two power play units and if that happens that'd be great they'd both be great so (laughs) great uh so i'm I'm excited about scott perunovich anything else you want to say about him Mm -mm. okay next man's done minnesota next man's done oh yeah he's got a very thick minnesota accent that's too bad from here on out i'll be honest we don't know a ton about the prospects, nor do I have a ton of hype on them, uh, but I will give you what I know, and Ian will give you what he knows, and we'll discuss what we understand. Uh, so <laughs> our, our we didn't trade up into the third round or anything. We didn't move any of our other picks at all. Uh, so with the 107th pick in this draft, the St. Louis Blues selected Joel Hofer. Hoffer? What did we decide? Hoffer? I think I heard Hoffer. Uh, he's a goaltender from the Swift Current Broncos of the WHL, who were WHL champions this year. He was the top-ranked Western Hockey League goalie by NHL Central Scouting, and he won a WHL champions this championship this season. However, he was technically the number two for Swift Current. Uh, in 19 games, he posted an 8-3, 1-1 one record, so obviously didn't start all 19 of those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
with a 261 goals against average and a 914 save percentage, which is pretty darn good for junior hockey, as I understand it. Yeah. Uh, and he's 6'3", which is very tall, but he's 161 pounds, so he's apparently anorexic. <laughs> he's the Slenderman. Um, but, uh, yeah, they had him ranked, uh, NHL Central Scout had, had him ranked 7th among North American goalies. Uh, Bill Armstrong said, goaltenders are tough to draft. We watched him play. Our uh, our area guy and our goaltender coach were really adamant about taking him. He's a big kid. He's raw, but he's got a good foundation. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, goaltenders take forever to develop, so you won't hear this name for five years probably or more. Yeah, as it takes like forever. A, a blues player on any level. But it's always fine to have goaltending prospects, and we've got lots of them. Mm-hmm. So if you only need the nice thing about a goalie is you only need one of them to hit it big every like decade, and you're set. So yeah. I think it's good to be drafting like one goalie every draft just yeah. to kind of restock and have just in case. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, hockey writers said that Joel Hofer's strengths, Hoffer, Joel Hoffer, we're sticking with it. He has a good anticipation and quick reactions. He's calm, cool, and collected in net, which helps him conserve energy and uses his size and positioning well in the crease. You good? Yeah, is it that like? Oh, I don't know. Our table's falling over. <laughs> um, under construction, which says improvements that need to be made. He's still very raw, like Steven said, needs to keep developing this game. He needs to play more, and he'll see more shots as he builds his skill set. And it's unclear how he'll respond to a starter's workload. So, yeah, basically it's just a 50-50 on how he'll do. But like they said, they like his foundation, so that's good enough. Yeah, and he's expected to be a starter next year, so great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have anything else to say, honestly, about him because it's such a long way off. But the Blues get a goalie who is already an (laughs) (laughs) H-O-F-er. Did it again. Tweeted it out. (laughs) Wasn't good enough just the one time, so we're tweeting it out twice. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> With the 138th pick, our fifth round pick, the St. Louis Blues selected Hugh McGing, a left wing out of the Western Hockey or Western Michigan University. Very different. Mm-hmm. Western Michigan University. Uh, he had 30 points in 36 games last year. He's a five foot, eight inch tall ginger. Disgusting. <laughs> uh, no, we love gingers. We love all human beings. They're all great. Mm, just not Jack uh, Eichel. No. <laughs> He's a former Cedar Rapids Rough Rider of the USHL. Uh, as are Mitch Reinke, Eric Foley, and our second-round pick, Scott Perunovich. So the Blues like to draft Cedar Rapids Rough Riders. It's a hockey institution. Mm. Um, we have 51 goals in 60 games with the f- 51 goals, 51 points. I think I meant to write <laughs> in 60 games with the Rough Riders in 1516. Uh, he's not big, but he's creative and fast, says Steve Corn- Cornianos of the DraftAnalyst.com and the Sporting News. Uh, he was a nominee for the Hobie Baker Award. I don't know how many people they nominate. Maybe it's a lot, but that still seems cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, former Blues coach Andy McDonald said he reminds, or sorry, former Blues coach Andy <laughs> Murray said that he reminded uh, that Reinke, or okay, it's all off the rails. Andy Murray said Hugh McGing <laughs> reminded him of Andy McDonald. That's the sentence I wanted to say five minutes ago when this started. I think it's because we're recording at four in the afternoon. I'm, we're all thrown off. And not off. 11 at it's night. All, it's all weird. Uh, 
Bill Armstrong said, Andy McDonald is a great comparison. He plays the same way. Our area scout got us to get in and see him. He's a really good player that we didn't want to go go by because of his age. We didn't let, want to let him pass because of his age, because he's a little older in college. Um, he seemed to have really good speed. I saw one highlight of him where he kind of just got past everybody on a breakaway. It was a really nice pass from his defenseman, but then he was just gone and and so uh, speed is good. Speed mm-hmm. is speed is something you can't train. So if you're drafting, you know, as they kind of said on the draft show, when you're drafting in these later rounds, there's going to be something you like in someone's games and some things that you really don't like because if they were better rounded, they'd be higher picks. So mm-hmm. um, obviously his age is a concern, you know, that would drop him a little lower, but I'm sure there are other parts of his game. But speed is the part you can't teach, so... There you go. If he's an Andy McDonald, that's great. Yeah. That's all I can We've think got, of. All I'm saying is Andy McDonald is in our development. Right yeah. Now. Watch out. <laughs> you have anything else to say about oh, no. Hugh McGing? We'll move on then to the 169th pick when the St. Louis Blues selected Mat- Matthias Lafiere. Uh, oh, excuse me. Laferrier or Laferriere. I'm God, not sure. Ferriere because there's knee at the end of it. And when there's knee after it, you pronounce the consonant. Laferriere. There you go. A little French lesson for wow. you. Uh, I didn't know. He's a right wing from the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles of the <laughs> QMJHL, the <laughs> Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He's 17 years old. He's played two years with Cape Breton. Uh, he has <laughs> 17 goals and 35 assists in 93 games in those two years. He is a Montreal native, so we can probably trade him right now to the uh, to the Habs for, for Max Pacioretty just straight first up. First overall pick next uh, year or yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he's 6'1", 175 pounds. Uh, he was the 130th ranked North American skater by Central Scouting. Um, Bill Armstrong said he was a high, high pick in the Quebec League. The consistency factor has been in and out on him, but when he's on, you can't help but notice him. He has the skill level and he has the sense to play. It's going to take some time, but he's got the skill. What do you think about Maxime Laferriere? Matthias Laferriere. I was like, God, what Maxime is this guy's name? Maxime seems like a much Frencher name than Matthias, but that's just my read on it. I'm not going to say his name. Matthias Laferriere? Yeah, you've already said it. That guy. Um, Matthias Laferriere. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Reminds me of, like, Alexei Torepchenko. When he, Who does? The, the guy you just said. His name. <laughs> ML. That's not a very good, that's not like a TJ. MLF. There you MLF, go. yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> um, go on. He reminds me a little bit of like Alexei Torpchenko and that there was like consistency problems. Our but sixth round pick last year. I, I think, think it was like fourth round, round. Fourth round something pick like last that. year. A pick last year that we made. Yeah, so this guy reminds me You're of a fourth round pick. You're comfortable saying Alexei Torpchenko, but not Mac- Matthias Laferriere. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. I'm much more comfortable with Russian names. Okay, okay. Good to know. Good to know. I'll file that one away for later. (laughs) I'm xenophobic, but specifically. (laughs) um, But yeah, I think that's a good pick for a sixth rounder. It's someone that's got high offensive upside, just, you know, maybe has consistency issues. So Mm -hmm. it seemed fair. Fair pick. I like the Screaming Eagles. That's a great name. name. Yeah. Cool roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. All great. Uh, So with the final pick they would make in the 2018 NHL entry draft, 
At 200th overall, the big 2-0-0, the St. Louis Blues selected Tyler Tucker, a left-handed defenseman from the Barry Colts of the OHL. He's 18 years old. He's got three goals and 20 assists in 49 games with the Colts, but he also had a plus 27 rating. He's 171st ranked North American skater by Central Scouting. And when Bill Armstrong was asked about him by Andy Strick when he lit up. He was very excited, and he said, this kid's all character. His compete is off the charts. He's a warrior out there. He can be a little bit reckless at times, but he's got some really good attributes out there. So we'll never see this guy no. in the NHL. You'll never but he'll hear be this. very fun to watch in all the minor leagues yeah. and semi-professional leagues. You'll never hear the name Tyler Tucker again on this podcast. percent market. Unless he's the core of the Blues defense. Except for maybe next week when he's in the uh, rookie camp. Yeah, we will talk (laughs) about him then, but that's about it. Done after that. (laughs) End Uh, of sentence. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah. So, overall thoughts on the Blues draft? Ooh, can I give it like a grade? Yeah. I'll give this draft... Q minus. <laughs> QMJHL minus. Um, we'll say B minus. Okay, explain. I think there's some interest here. There's We've drafted a little bit more in terms of like potential high-end talent, which is nice with Bach and uh, McKing and Laferriere, but nothing really jumps off the page at me. I mean, they could all live up to their potential and it'd be amazing. But I'm thinking maybe one of those three delivers, you know, mm-hmm. at best. And that's great, but it doesn't, nothing really astounds me. Our two defensemen, I guess, actually, I'm sort of with you. I think maybe, um, Prunovic is the one that like intrigues me the most at this point, actually. Maybe it's because he's would be close enough to playing with the blues mm-hmm. age wise and skill wise. But after that, I'm just not, there's nothing that's really wowing me. The goalie is a goalie. Um, You know, we just said that our last pick there or whatever, probably we'll never hear from again. Tyler Tucker, see you later. But I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. It's just not, I think it's one of those things where we drafted Thomas and Costin last year and we had the big trade. So Mentally, I knew this year was probably going to be a letdown as far as like how excited I was for everything. Mm-hmm. And I kind of let myself get let down. I was like, oh, we didn't make a trade. I let myself believe it wasn't going to be. And then I, then it was. Yeah. It most definitely, definitely, definitely was. Yeah, I knew exactly what I thought this was, and I let it off the hook. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's fine. I think it's a run-of-the-mill draft. I think I've been used to seeing... Someone say, oh, the Blues, you know, got a steal on Thomas and Costin and yada yada. Or even our Fabry pick, people really liked that year. Or even Dunn, I remember when we drafted Dunn, they were already talking about him being a really good pick, and that was in the second round. Nothing here really, I'll say again, wowed me or whatever. I mean, it seems like Promman really likes Bach, so that's good. Uh-huh. Uh, we already talked about Prunovich, seems pretty interesting. But after that, it's just kind of, eh. I'm eh on it. Yeah, I think B- minus is about right. They didn't do anything that really grabbed me. Um, I'm excited about Bach. I've, I love Germany and German players and Tony Cruz for scoring the incredible game-winning goal against the Swedes a couple of minutes ago in the World Cup. Uh, but, you know, it's just... it's uh, He's unproven entirely. Um, he's a bigger risk than anyone the boys have taken recently because he's got... 
a ton more chance to just never see the NHL. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's happened. I'm not, you know, doomsaying him this early. I'm just saying, you know, as opposed to Robert Thomas, who when he was drafted, people were like, yeah, I don't know that we're this high on this guy, but he's definitely got hockey sense and he's, you know, a future NHL player. Maybe he's a second or third line center. Obviously, he's grown a lot from there, you know, but with that guy, with Thompson, with Cairo even, you know, you mm-hmm. know kind of what you're going to get. Even with Coaston, you know, that was a nicer risk reward because it was like this guy was definitely going to be a high pick, but he was injured last year. So, uh, and and the nice thing about that, I mean, the nice thing about having that pretty big cache of, of really nice prospects is it affords you a little more flexibility to go out and take a risk like this, mm-hmm. whereas you're – Whereas if you're a team that's just got where the cupboard's bare, you just have to get a couple of people who you know will be NHL contributors, you know, whether you trade them or keep them, whatever, you have to get some names worth having, you know. And Dominic Bach, the nice thing is the ceiling maybe is higher than a lot of people that were drafted around him. But the trade-off is the floor is lower. I think, I don't want to say the opposite's true, but I think it's a different story for Perunovic because I think... He's pretty ready now, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of whether his size holds him back from being a really elite NHL player uh, remains to be seen. But you know, if he's a if he's a second line or even third pairing defenseman that can you know quarterback a second power play unit for you for years to come, that's still really valuable. So you know, I, I don't want to put a cap on him. And then anything behind, you know, I'm the, I think one of the things that makes this draft a little a little less interesting is when you give up a third-round pick, you know, a third-round pick isn't going to make or break you usually, but it, usually there's a little bit to know about those guys, you know? Mm-hmm. So it kind of went from Perunovic where it's like, okay, we know a lot even if he's unproven to, like, middle of the fourth round. It's like, okay, nobody yeah, knows who's anybody. Yeah, this guy? Uh, so, yeah, there's just nothing much to say about people after the, the third round. <laughs> Um, and so with that, giving out that pick to go up and get Bach, it does, it doesn't, it does signify, let's say that, uh, we have a lot of faith in Bach. Uh, but, um, yeah, it just remains to be seen and he's a long way off. So I feel like a B is a pretty fair grade for that. Um, so we've got a couple more things to talk about, uh, including some, very bad news for the Blues that we've been putting off, but we'll and we'll kind of wrap up with that. Uh, the only really big deal that happened anywhere in the draft was kind of a blockbuster between the Calgary Flames and the Carolina Hurricanes. It was two teams kind of saying, hey, NHL, don't forget we also exist. <laughs> uh, the Flames traded Dougie Hamilton and Michael Furland along with prospect Adam Fox to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. When I first read these names, I was shocked, and I thought Carolina had utterly gotten fleeced. I think that less and less, although I still think they have more potential to really lose this trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll see what you think in a little bit. Uh, let me just give some raw numbers really quickly. Uh, both Lindbo- Lindholm and Hannafin are RFAs who the Hurricanes uh, were known to be con- potentially shopping. Um, and there's no expectation that the Flames will have trouble signing them, obviously, or they wouldn't have traded for them. 
Uh, Adam Fox is a player the Flames believe they may not have been able to sign. He's a college uh, prospect, and he's really highly regarded right now. Uh, but there's fear that he will not sign with his team and will go the college free agency route that players like Will Butcher and Alexander Kerfoot and before them Jimmy Vesey have gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, that's one of the concerns with him, and that concern isn't necessarily erased because he's been traded now. Um, so that those are kind of the, that's one of the big kind of things this trade hinges on. Um, but the players involved that we know a lot about, Dougie Hamilton, of course, is a 25-year-old right-handed defenseman. He's 6'6", 210, which I did not realize he was that tall. Oh, yeah. Uh, he has a $5.75 million AAV through 2021. He led the league amongst score, uh, in goal scoring for defensemen with 17 this year, which seems a little low for defenders, but I guess 20 for a defender is not all that common. So mm. um, I was like there was no... Um... Brent Burns stealing the show with like 30 goals yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Uh, in fact, Brent, Brent Burns was in the back of the show sucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, but Hamilton's Corsi 4 percentage was 57.4. Really nice mark for a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, just shows that he possesses the puck a lot and, and takes more opportunities than he surrenders. Um, there's a perception generally that he's sort of a locker room problem but and why i don't know i've heard he's quiet that's i swear i heard that he was just a quiet guy yeah and that weirds me out as someone who also in real life is kind of quiet he, that he never shuts up that i was so true. would i be traded don't like this yes you three be. times <laughs> I, it's weird because normally if you're You'd don't be fit the locker to room wherever your father bill peters plays so you would have been in this i would have stayed in calgary yeah exactly <laughs> um it's just weird because normally if you're a locker room problem, it's like, well, he's a giant asshole yeah, or something. And I don't or think... Or you're a Mike Hoffman situation. Yeah, I don't think I've heard that about him, but he's this is two times being traded in a pretty young career. Yeah. You already mentioned his course C4 is pretty good. Uh, he's got he's had four seasons of 40-plus points the last four seasons, and I'm pretty sure he plays on the power play. He might not necessarily be like the quarterback, but obviously I think with 17 goals, he would almost have to. Mm. Um I, it's weird. I don't know. I don't know why he gets moved around like that. I would have liked him on the Blues, but maybe not because maybe he really is a problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's. I think he's just. Uh, I mean, I think there's enough reason to think, at the very least, he's not a guy that like holds the locker room together. Yeah, or obviously. Have been traded twice already. I don't think these rumors necessarily get out there just based on nothing, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. I think there's a story there. I don't know if it's a big story or a small story. But Hamilton is a really good player who's now been traded a second time to Carolina, so we'll see if maybe he gels there and takes off. Uh, The other player in this deal is Michael Furland, who when I first heard the names, I kind of just wrote off as a nothing, and I didn't realize how good a season he'd had. Uh, He's 26 years old. He broke out last year with 21 goals and 41 points, playing kind of on the second and first line a little bit maybe on the third uh he's a 1.75 million dollars next year but then he's an, uh, an unrestricted free agent so that provides calgary a nice chip to trade at the deadline if they're out of it again which i know isn't their plan but it's probably what will happen to mm-hmm. them and i said calgary but i meant carolina obviously um but uh he's a gritty forward who can play in the top six but maybe shouldn't. I don't know <laughs> if he should. I think it's a kind of a Pat Maroon situation where it's yeah, like he's that, definitely a third liner. That may not really fit his skill set, but he can do it. Um, 
And then Adam Fox is he's a something of a wild card. He uh, CBS Sports said Fox is a high end defensive prospect currently playing with Harvard. His hockey IQ matches his book smarts, and he brings elite vision and playmaking on the ice along with a good uh, with good speed. He was a third round pick in 2016, and the upside is considered huge. Uh, he was a top prospect for the Flames. But, as I suggested earlier, the Flames were worried that they wouldn't be able to sign him, and so he would just have no value for them in the long run. Um, And if the Hurricanes can't sign him, I think that makes this trade a pretty decisive win for the Flames Mm -hmm. uh, because the players the Flames received uh, were Elias Lindholm, who was the fifth overall pick in 2013. He's 23 years old. He's a restricted free agent. He scored 16 goals and 28 assists last season. Uh, He's really highly regarded as a young player, but he hasn't really taken the big leap forward yet. And then kind of similar story, Noah Hannafin, who was the fifth overall pick in 2015 uh he's 21 years old he's a left-handed defenseman and he's six uh six three 205 pounds um he had 10 goals and 22 assists last year he had a Corsi four percentage of 56.5 so also a pretty good mark for a defenseman a little lower but 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 uh, excuse me a little lower than dougie hamilton but only by a point or so uh he's already a good defender but again there's thoughts that he has a much higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. So I think this trade kind of rests on if Elias Lindholm takes off and hits his ceiling, it's all it's automatically pretty much a loss for Carolina. Mm-hmm. And if Noah Hannafin does the same, it's a bigger loss for them. If they never really quite explode and just kind of play the way they've been playing, it could even be a win for Carolina, especially if they manage to sign Adam Fox. Uh, but I think... Um, I, I I think I guess my final thought on it is I'm just confused what Carolina thinks they are, mm-hmm. and I think that's the Tom Dundon effect. I just don't understand what direction they're heading in because they keep, they keep yeah. saying we'll trade everything that isn't nailed down, but well, then they also say we've mess, missed the playoffs for nine straight years and we don't plan to do it again. So I don't yeah. know what the plan is. Well, they keep trying to or they keep talking about wanting to have like a, a team identity, and yet their identity. Is like we're just going to trade anyone currently. Yeah. I guess they're trying to find it, but doesn't like you said. Seems like they're not solidifying it either. Um, Noah Hannafin and Elias and Lindholm, I think, yeah, both have the higher ceiling than say Dougie Hamilton. I mean, Dougie, Dougie Hamilton's good, but he's a known quantity. He kind of yeah. is what he is. He could be maybe a little bit better, but he's pretty much he is what he is. But the other two, like you mentioned, could just take off. And I think that's a good bet on Calgary. If Hamilton's supposedly a problem, then the trade in and of itself is fine because he's gone. Yeah, That's kind of not exactly, but he's kind of like a Yuri Laterra thing where it's like, well, addition by subtraction right. in that sense. But and then Michael, Michael Furland is just exactly what he is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he is a 20-goal scorer, but he's a 15-goal scorer gritty winger, and that's like... Yeah. There's no up or down in that. That's just what he is. Well, I'm thinking, like, it's not quite the same, but it's like if you took um, a Joel Edmondson, let's say he was just kind of, he's a locker room problem. You have Joel Edmondson, and you have, like, Vladimir Saboka, and you trade him for these two guys, for uh, the Carolina, for Hannafin and for Lindholm, and it's like, well... You know, those two are unproven, and you'll see what you got. But I'm like, I'll take the risk because the two guys I'm giving up just aren't that big of a deal to me. Yeah, exactly. It's like if we lose out on these two guys, then they stay what they were in Carolina. I don't know. That's fine. If I'm a Calgary Flames fan, my team will probably be fine. We'll figure something else out. Like, let's say exactly that. We traded Joel Edmondson 
Let's say Patrick Bergwin because okay. he scored 17 goals last year. Although maybe we're a little more eager to get rid of Patrick Bergwin, so let's say Saboka. That's fair. Uh, and then, like, uh, we give up Jake Wallman mm-hmm. and then make the same deal. I think I'd do that. Like, yeah, I'd be, I'd be relatively I'd interested. I'd risk because if both of those guys hit in Calgary, that's the kind of move that, like, pushes your franchise to the next level. Um, well, I was already thinking, do you think Lindholm, I think you said he plays about 13, 14 minutes a night, and that's probably third line-ish minutes. Uh-huh. I think if he does better, he could be an easy second-line yeah, center. Yeah, at least, I yeah. would think. Uh, the other interesting thing to note in this, as we uh, kind of already alluded to him earlier, uh, is that Bill Peters was the coach in Carolina, is now the coach in Calgary. Um, and so, you know, hard to imagine he didn't have a pretty significant say in this deal going down, um, you know, it, at the very least, you would have thought they went to him and said, hey, we're talking with Carolina. What mm-hmm. do you think about these players? Um, and so, you know, we saw last year, I'm not saying it's the same thing at all, but we saw last year a situation where uh, Gerard Gallant went from Florida to the Vegas Golden Knights and, you know, he, he said to the Knights, hey, I really believe in Jonathan Mercer show and uh, Riley Smith and the Knights got those guys from Florida and then they became explosive dynamic players and what looked like a salary dump that looked like a bad salary dump to begin with became uh, kind of a laughing stock move of the yeah. NHL. I'm not saying this is that by any stretch and obviously the return, even if it is that, becomes much greater uh, for, you know, the return is already much greater for uh, Carolina than it was for Florida. Um but you do kind of wonder if there's potential for that similar sort of these guys were on the outs in Carolina, but there was no real reason for them to be, and they just weren't utilized well. Mm-hmm. And here in here in Calgary, if we put them in the right places with the right pieces to succeed, they could really take off, you know. And it, and if uh, Elias Lindholm plays with Johnny Gaudreau next season and gets 40 or 50 assists, you know, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. And yeah. then this looks really freaking bad for the Hurricanes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the Hurricanes have a better understanding of what they got. Mm-hmm. I think they're, you know, they're, they have a, a really solid NHL defenseman, a decent middle six contributor who they can flip if they need to or extend if they want to and all that. And a prospect who's really good that they may not be able to keep, and mm-hmm. the and the Flames got two guys with enormous potential, who may just be kind of flat nothings. And if they're flat nothings, then they probably lose this deal. If they grow a little bit, it's probably a pretty even deal. And if they explode, then it's obviously a huge loss for Carolina. So I think Carolina takes on a lot of the risk of this trade looking really bad. Yeah. And so that's more fun for a Calgary fan. Yeah. And plus, I mean, when you're talking, Dougie Hamilton was a name that was discussed uh, as a trade ship. I'm sure as a Calgary fan, it looked a lot more appetizing to get back to NHL roster players for him rather than you know, a first-round pick or two first-round picks or whatever, you yeah. know, a first-round pick and a prospect or, you know, a first-round pick and a Dimitri Askin-type player. I think this also for Calgary, if I'm a fan, uh, makes the fact that they traded 
a first and a second and then somehow lost their third, I want to say, too. Maybe not in the same deal, but when they traded for Travis, Travis Hamannick. Hamannick. yeah, that so was they didn't, great. Yeah, they didn't draft until the third or maybe even the fourth round today. So this this trade just fourth, from, an, or really, from an excitement factor alone is like, thank God we did something because I was bored out of my yeah, gourd. I'm sure. Uh, so that pays off well for them uh, as well. So now on to the bad news. The bitter end, probably, mm-hmm. of Tavares Watch 2018. There will be maybe a siren who even knows that this Do you point. have like a sad song we can put in front of it? <laughs> we can play I'm gonna say Mad it's... World. <laughs> I'm going to say what you just heard was still Robots. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so news, <laughs> news is still a little speculative, a little unclear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the news is out. The good news is, I guess, that Tavares isn't just going to straight up sign with New York. He is going to talk to teams. He heeded our warning. Uh, there, he did. There are five teams that he plans to talk to. The bad news is that the assumption is that the boys are not one of those teams. And the other bad news is that the assumption is that even though he's talking to those teams, he will still be a New York Islander after all is said and done. So... Uh, I think, you know, I think we, we admitted last time and probably more and more lately that the tide was starting to shift towards, uh, the Islanders keeping him. He made a, he, they made a really impressive push, uh, by, you know, bringing Lou Lamorello into the fold and, and signing Barry Trotz as the head coach, um, so, you know, it looks really likely that he's going to stay. The teams he's going to talk to are Toronto, obviously his hometown team. Uh, I think San Jose is confirmed as part of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, Tampa Bay may be on the list. Dallas is on the list, weirdly. Stupid. Uh, and then there's a little, you know, there's a little uncertainty whether it's Vegas or who it might be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like John Tavares is off the table as an option for the St. Louis Blues, which is... Deeply depressing, but not necessarily <laughs> surprising. Yeah. The one joke I made to you earlier is maybe he's not talking to us because we've now set the bar for what the offer would have to be. But well, of course, that's not. That's true. who Doug Armstrong was on the phone with this whole time yeah. at the draft. Doug Armstrong doesn't set the bar for anything, <laughs> and obviously the Blues have never spoken to him because it's it's still in the tampering period, and he's the property of the New York. Yeah, you can't talk to him. You can't speak to him, which was very funny. All 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 day during the draft, they were talking about they were talking to other gms you know on the on the floor of the draft and they'd be like yeah so uh john Tavares, obviously the big free agent are you uh interested in him at all and you know george mcfee would be like well you know i can't answer that because with a twinkle in his eye i can't answer that he's still the property of the new york islanders and it's like you can say you're interested i mean i know you can't like technically you cannot but it's like they should be able to be like yeah we'd be interested if one of the top five centers in the league hit the market uh they don't get to they have to play it coy and keep their cards close to the best close to the vest um and so yeah it looks like john Tavares will not be going anywhere uh but if he does go anywhere it's looking like it's not the st louis blues which is a good transition into the broader topic of (laughs) the blues didn't do anything Mm -hmm. uh they were linked to Ilya kovalchuk earlier in the week and then they fell fell out of the running for that and la signed him officially and it looked like they were probably the front runners for a long time there. Um, 
it looked like. By the way, do you remember when, like, two months ago, there were reports that it was just a done deal that he was a ranger? So that oh, was yeah. Uh, I forgot about that. It, um, there were rumors that the Blues were talking to, ooh, news breaking on the podcast, nothing significant. Oh. The Avalanche have locked up Philip Grubauer. Uh, he signed a three-year deal through 2021. Um, so there you go. That was expected. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, there were rumors throughout the day and throughout last night that Armstrong was going down tunnels and bringing people down tunnels and digging tunnels and lighting tunnels with <laughs> matches and using gas lamps to, to further brighten tunnels. <laughs> uh, no, there's a, there's a central, there's like a central scouting, central trade hub tunnel that people would have to go down if they were going to announce, you know, official finalize yeah. a trade with the league. And, you know, there were a lot of talk that he was going down there a lot. Uh, nothing came of it. Some of the some of the names that were specifically discussed, uh, Jeff Skinner, a big one. Um, apparently, Armstrong was seen talking to Skinner's agent. He's obviously uh, a winger for the aforementioned Carolina Hurricanes um, and has a year left on his deal. He's a player I'm, I really like, but I'm not interested in as a rental unless the price is just really low and it won't be. Um, I'm not I'm not giving up a first round pick mm-hmm. for Jeff Skinner. If that's like our big move and he's not extended, that would be <laughs> yeah, really agreed. stupid to me. Um, I'd r- honestly, I'd rather wait and just do that. I'd rather do that at the deadline and even still give up a first round pick, like if we were at all contending, because we won't be. And so then we won't, you know, but like, <laughs> but like, you know, I just, I, I don't see the value of giving up a first round pick for him now unless, because we need centers. We need other things way more than we need Jeff Skinner. Yeah. I don't um, like giving up first round picks before you know where you're going to land. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And we couldn't, I mean, we, we're bad. Yeah. So what if that, you know, it doesn't take much to be in technically in the lottery. We were last year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're in the lottery and then that just become obviously you put a top three protection on it or something but still like if you're in the lottery and that's jack hughes and you gave it up for one year of jeff skinner you failed doug armstrong you're fired you're fired officially by the two guys no cup podcast uh yeah so so (laughs) skinner's a name uh that we're linked to ryan o'reilly probably the other big name um very capable center for the uh, Buffalo Sabres of the Buffalo Hockey League. <laughs> I'm um, sure he'll get traded like within 48 hours after uh, Tavares signs yeah, or signs. Yeah, and probably not to us. Um, I mean, just the the thing is, if it's not Ryan O'Reilly, like Ryan O'Reilly is a guy who is very good and would do nothing to excite me if we got him. And I know, like, and it's not, It's I really like him. I'd be mm-hmm. I'd be glad if we got him, but I would not in any way be like woohoo, you know. I'd be like cool. It would just be very <laughs> muted excitement because he's that's the kind of play he is on the ice. He's extremely responsible defensively. He's very good, you know. He's in- incredibly good at winning faceoffs. Probably the best faceoff man in the league. He's got lots of great things, but they're just not the big sexy skills. He's not very fast, you know. Um, so I, I'd still be, I would still be great to get him. I'm not saying don't do that, obviously, because I make these decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, I just think uh, 
not a player that jumps off the page at me as like we have to get him. Uh, and then there there are rumors, as we discussed at the end of the podcast, that Colton Pareko has been discussed with other teams. Uh, a persistent rumor that it's hard to ever nail down whether it's a real rumor or just fan uh, wishful thinking or a little bit of both it would be some combination of Colton Pareko for Leon Dreisaitl, which I do think is the one trade that I'd be like, well, at least we did <laughs> something ginormous. You know, like even Ryan O'Reilly, it's like, okay, so you got a guy who's just available, which is fine, but you didn't do anything off the board, you know, Dreisaitl would be crazy. Um, but as we stand, the Blues have no more draft picks for 2018 and also have no new players to help their roster in 2019. So overall, how do you feel about that situation that the Blues have found themselves uh, in? If I give the draft a B-, minus, I give our situation a D plus. Okay. <laughs> because I'm just, we were really excited a year ago a year ago to pretty much this day when we started this podcast and talked about the Braden Shen trade, and there was a lot of hope, there was a lot of happiness, there was enough to force us to start a podcast. Um, <laughs> we did it right there on the spot. Yeah, and now I feel like we should just end the podcast because... And we are. I'm just, I don't know, I've, I'll have i tell you, I'm perplexed, a little perplexed. I kind of get that Doug Armstrong... Needs, you know, another team. You need another team to be able to have a dance partner to trade with and everything. But it just feels like we won't do anything probably at free agency. We'll try. He's mm-hmm. going to try, but we're not going to wow anybody. It seemed like I've said that a lot today. Not a lot of wowing. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know where we go from there. Maybe there's a trade to be made that I'm. we're just not thinking of, you know, all of the Braden Shen trade. But that's my big hope right now. That's really the only hope. Off the board. The thing is, like, this hey, we've team... got Vincent Trocheck now, and I'm like, wait, yeah. what? I know nothing about him. I love him, but I know no, nothing no. <laughs> about him. That's called infatuation. Yeah. Um, we need a center. Like we need. I I went into the summer I saying think... we need a center and we need a right winger. And at this point, I've, I've already thrown away the right center. winger. I go, screw the right well, winger. What sucks, though, is that we look like the winger is what we're focused on. I know. Just like, mm, what? We need the center. Like, it's going to be Paul Stastny. I, I, gu- just, I guess. And it kind of it doesn't have to be, but it needs to be someone. Because if, if we go into the season with the roster pretty much as it looks like now, we have a gaping hole. And you can't. Robert Thomas is not playing second line center. Um, Braden Shen isn't playing that because then we have no first line center. Uh-huh. And you're not, I've seen people go, well, um, Robbie Fabry can play center. I'm like, Robbie Fabry can barely play hockey <laughs> currently. You can't slot him in at center, a thing that I don't think he said he's wanted to play anyways in the NHL. I'm increasingly scared too that like Robbie Fabry is just a big part of the plan. I know. And I know. that's not okay because he was a big part of the plan last year. And the year before that, and we got scraduzled each of those <laughs> years. And the first one, first one, you know, fool me once, shame on you situation. Although, obviously, that's not Robbie Fabry's fault. But it's yeah. just like, fool me once, injuries happen. You can't predict that. You depend on a guy to come back healthy as a main major contributor from a torn ACL. That's a fool me twice situation. Mm-hmm. And that's a shame on you. And I'm calling it. Uh, no, but it, I mean, it is a little bit. And if you do it a third time, then you're just an idiot. Because the definition of insanity is repeating the same behavior over and over again and expecting different <laughs> results. And so, yeah, I mean, 
I'm great. If if Robbie Fabry comes back and he's a 50-point player for this team and he looks healthy and he's a great young buck that we just have for years to come, awesome. But I put the percentage of that extremely low. And I think planning on that is very stupid. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly reckless on Doug Armstrong's part. And I'm not saying he is planning on that, but I'm not saying he's not at this point. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, I just... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, we need something. If you take do a little thought a little thought experiment for yourself, take a piece of paper, write down our first line, it's Schwartzen Tarasenko, now write down the second line. <laughs> write down me a second line that you are extremely confident as our second line, because there's nobody. Is it... Like, even, who is it? It's Steen it's, and who else? Even if it's Steen, even if you write Fabry because you have to, yeah, you're there's not still confident. just a, there's a thousand question marks between them. Instead of a hyphen and a name and a hyphen, it's just a thousand question marks. That's what marks. I mean. Oh, Barber Shovel Centrum. Not to what me- does that even mean? Not to mention the massive question marks that are themselves Alex Steen and, and uh, Ravi Fabry. There's so many of those on this team. We've got a lot of bottom not, or bottom six we people. We didn't unload Patrick Bergwin. Or Vladimir Saboka or Jake Allen, which I don't, I mean, I think that means they're staying. I really do. I legitimately believe mm-hmm. that that means that those guys are here next year. And, and fans should rightfully be furious about that, if that's the case. I was like, be scared. And uh. if, if, honest to God, if we go into next season with Steen, Saboka, Bergwin, and Allen, I just don't, we just need to fire. And it's not, not even like Armstrong's terrible to his job, it's just like, we just need we someone with to, a new thought process. We have to change directions. Yeah. We just have to. And and I did a poll. We did a poll on on the Twitter, uh, and I didn't get as many responses as I hoped we might. And I think probably because Blues fans just left Twitter <laughs> or dejected because <laughs> I certainly wanted to. Uh, but I asked, um, what did I say? How would you describe yourself as a Blues fan right now? Uh, and the options I gave were content, hopeful, concerned, and angry. Angry, overwhelming 50% of the vote. Uh, one person, I think, doing the math did vote for content, which if if you're a listener, uh, please just tweet us and tell us why. I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to comment not you. Angry. I'm not going to like tweet back at you and be like, you're an idiot. I'm just really curious. Like, what, what has you content with this team right now? Uh, and then hopeful, you know, gra- glasses half full kind of people. Respect you. Don't understand you, but respect you. <laughs> But yeah, the half angry, I, I saw a lot of angst on Twitter, and I think it's deserved. There's, I think it's deserved. There's the necessary I phone think, ring. I think some of it's misplaced because some people will say, well, I'm angry because we didn't get Artemi Panarin. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if we need to be angry about that. The, but And that's a, that's a good point to bring up because the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause in my anger is that really nobody's done anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that's because... Uh, it could be a lot of things. It could be that there's a, a huge cap increase and so teams aren't as motivated to move because it's like, hey, if we keep Patrick Bergwin, he counts a lot less against the cap than he did before, you know, just using our own example. But yeah. every, every team... As much as we hate him, every team has a Patrick Bergwin, someone mm-hmm. who's underperforming and has been there too long and is overpaid. Every team has one of those. Um, Brooks Orpik, you know, mm. just got traded as a total salary dump off the cup-winning team, and he was the third guy they handed the cup to. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so every team has that. So I wonder if it could be the salary cap increase. But I, I do think a lot of it is the Tavares sweepstakes are still going on. John Carlson hasn't officially signed, although we did fail to mention it. It does look like he's going to sign and stay with Washington, which is a pretty big surprise. I really expected him to move. Um, but they got rid of the Orpic contract, which gave them the freedom to, to sign him to a new deal. Um, and good for them. I don't necessarily root for that team to break up. I'm always rooting for quality free agents because it makes things exciting. Um, it would have been fun to watch Montreal way overpay for John Carlson, <laughs> you know, and be like, okay, we have this now. What do we do? You know, but, <laughs> enjoy your, enjoy your uh, company of your buddy from Washington. They mm-hmm. have Carl Alsner, yes. who we overpaid last year. You can, you can pass to Yes Ferry Kotkaniemi in three years. <laughs> like, cool. Things. Um, yeah, so so that's my one comfort overall is that for whatever reason, nothing has really happened. Jeff Skinner's still in, in Carolina. Ryan O'Reilly's still in Buffalo. Max Pacioretty, even though rumors were that he was going to the Sharks later in the day, those fell apart. He's still in Montreal. Um, Artemi Panarin's still in Columbus. You know, it's, it's not like there's just going to be no moves this year. I think people are gun-shy because of what happened with Vegas last year. There's some probably some teams and some GMs that are like, my, my ass is in the jackpot already, to quote that uh, MLB umpire. If none of you saw him, you should look it up. Uh, but <laughs> he, was, he kept saying, my, our ass is in the jackpot, which he meant to be like, our fat is in the fryer or something like that, but it wasn't. It's not an expression people say. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there's scared GMs. I I can think of a lot of reasons, but overall, without trying to explain it, because nothing has happened, I can't sit here and be like, well, Doug's missed all his opportunities because he hasn't because they're all still there. Mm -hmm. You know, And, and, and it's not like any of the other teams have 2018 draft picks now that they can trade. You know, those are all gone. Um Obviously, they've got the players themselves, but that's pretty rare to see a player you just drafted get traded. Um, but yeah, I mean, so that's the one comfort. But man, I I really wanted something done. Yeah. I wanted anything done because I think they need to do so much. And not even to be like contenders next year. I'm not really asking them to be cup contenders next year. I just want them to not be embarrassing next year. Because to, to me, what they did last year is way more embarrassing than just being bad. Like, like the the Coyotes were are just a were just a bad team last year, and they actually came on real strong in the second half. But like, Coyotes, you know, we wouldn't tune them out because we're doing a podcast. But like, if the Blues were just bad, it'd be like, okay, they're bad, and they'll get good picks, and we can be excited about that. When you're better than you look on the ice and you're just mm-hmm. playing really poorly all the time, that's intolerable. Being a bubble team sucks. Yeah, exactly. And being a bubble team who shouldn't be a bubble team that's just performing as a bubble team, mm-hmm. really bad. Uh, and so I think they have a lot they need to do, partially to clear space so that the guys that are up and coming can up and come. <laughs> uh, and they're not doing it yet, and it really worries me. So uh, angsty? Anxious, I think, is the right feeling. Um, It's hard to know what, if anything, will happen between now uh, and July 1st, which is the day that, you know, at at noon sharp, everybody signs um, and goes to their new teams. Uh, But, um, yeah, I just, I think, overall, concerned 
yeah. and slash a little bit of angry. The anger has uh, ebbed away a little bit because it's a little past the draft now, but got to get moving. You got to do things, Doug. Yeah. Stop thinking you can just hoard all these prospects and improve the team. Both things can happen. And if ever look, if everybody's demanding Robert Thomas and won't budge, then fine. Yeah. But just say that publicly, and then I'll at least understand it. You know. I do wonder that if, if that's, everybody's demanding yeah. Tage Thompson and you won't budge, then you're an asshat. That's a know? good point. If it really is, and I'm sure it's not them, but if it really is just Robert Thomas, and everyone's like, "That's who I want." Why not just be like everyone says they want Robert Thomas, and I would rather hold on to him. Yeah. Like, okay, it makes sense. But yeah, if he's just like, "Oh, the asking price is too high," I'm like, "What is that?" What's too high for you, yeah. Doug? I would just want to know. Yeah, is Eric Foley and a second-round pick too high? Because then we have problems. <laughs> yeah, he goes, I know? got that guy for Stasny. I have to hold on to him. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah. I just don't know what the direction is. And I I am okay with fans that are a little more content with what's going on. We're like, oh, we've got young guys coming up. I'd rather hold on to the young guys, like we were just talking about with Armstrong, than, you know, trade them. That's cool. I just don't think this is where the expectation stuff comes in. I think Robert Thomas will be here next year, and that'll be cool. It'll be a third-line center. Maybe by the end of the year, I don't know, he's playing second line. Probably not, but maybe. I He think, could always do the Patrice Bergeron where he's just already the best player yeah. alive when he <laughs> debuts, but it's not likely. Well, that's what I mean. That's great and everything, but that's honestly, for me, where the expectation ends. I'd like Jordan Kyer to be here and light the world on fire, but I just don't think he's going to be a regular contributor for the Blues next year. Yeah. And so if you want to wait for the kids, that's cool, but just realize just realize that next year the Blues aren't going to be that good. Well, yeah. If you sit there and wait. And, and the bigger thing, I, there's just too many bodies. I'm going to pull up our cap friendly right now. Just no, this is a good idea. We haven't really like weighed through this at all. There's literally too many people on this roster. We, we signed Nikita Sashnikov. Yeah, we did do that today. We signed him to a one-year deal. Um, so that's a, I mean, that's just another body great, that'll but be it's just another body in yeah. the way. And like, know? that's fine. I like them, but it's like, yeah, we, we've got too many people, too many people for that bottom six that are not like a second line person. So you've got Tarasenko, Shin and Steen. They're your first line. And then other players that are, you know, established at yeah. least. And I, I want us to get rid of Patrick Bergwin, but he's one Alex Steen, Sabotka, um, so those guys are your like guaranteed. They're established if they're mm-hmm. here. They're playing in a roster spot. They just for sure are. Yeah. Um, so that's your that's six people. Yes. Okay. Not your top six. No, not Let's your top not go six. there. But that is six people. Six of your twelve. Then okay. you've got Tage Thompson, who just has to consistently play in the NHL next year. Mm-hmm. And if it's with this team, he just has to. He has to play seventy plus games. Uh, barring injury, you know, so that's a spot you have to fill. Mm-hmm. You have Chris Thorburn, <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> uh, Nolan Stevens is signed. Yeah, I don't know, and he could be in the AHL, yeah. but he could not be. Uh, Ivan Barbashev, he's playing. He's got to play. He's played more. He's played more than what's allowed to be on my uh, future plug. Uh, prospect pyramid so yeah. he's no longer a prospect yeah exactly we'll talk about that our prospect soon, pyramid i guess because yeah. we're past the draft now uh scotty upshaw's gone kyle brosiak i'm starting to wonder if he's gone i really Why want him not? back sure but like what are we gonna do 
You know, I'd rather, I'd, I'd weirdly rather us just be like, okay, Nolan Stevens, our fourth line center. I was going to say, I'd rather just move on. I like Kyle Brodziak. Unless, unless we're making other moves. But there's that's no reason I mean. to do another one-year deal for Kyle Brodziak exactly. if we're not building a team that's a contender next year. Yeah, just, just let, let him, him go. go play for a good team. Uh, <laughs> and then Robbie Favre, Dmitry Askin, Oscar Sundquist, and Nikita Sashnikov are all players that are RFAs, which means you have to make a decision. Yeah. You have to either release them, which you're not going to do with Fabry or uh, Sashnikov you sign, so he's a sign, he's not mm-hmm. an RFA, but you have to either release Fabry, Yaskin, and Sunquist, which I th- I still think would be stupid for at least Fabry and Yaskin. I think there's value there. Oh, no, you sign them, yeah. Uh, Sunquist, Sunquist might be the one just you don't release, tender. But, yeah. um, so what's that? Just with those names I mentioned, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 11, 12. Not counting Kyle Brodziak, yeah. not counting Oscar Sundquist, and not counting Nolan Stevens. That's a full 12 players that you have to put places. And then Robert Thomas, for sure, you expect. I mean, I think the expectation is he's coming here. Mm-hmm. You know, I think... It, that while other players have a chance to play themselves in to NHL spots, I think his is more of a yeah. situation where he could play himself out if he played really poorly. Yeah. Not that it's a big deal either. Robert Thomas is going to be in the lineup, I'm 99% certain. So that's another body that I That'd would say be 13. you'd have to play. And if it's – so here you go. If you make your best roster in my mind, off the top of my head, you got Schwartz, uh, Shen, Tarasenko – you have Steen, we'll say Barbashev, because I think he's got to play and he's young. And then... But that even already were like... That's what okay. I mean. That's bad. So that's, that's what I'm saying. That sucks. At all. <laughs> and then what? I don't even know who the right wing is. I honestly don't know. Let's say it's Robbie Fabry. I mean, that's oh, your that's best right. answer. Oh, that's right. Okay, Robbie Fabry. That's that's your, it's a bad answer, but it's your okay. best one. Then you've got Saboka, Thomas, Berglund. Which is just not two people you want on his wing. Yeah, please don't play Robert Thomas with those two. Then acts. you got Sashnikov, uh, Brodziak, Yaskin, Thorburn, Yaskin. Yeah, so like that's your lineup as as it stands. <laughs> that's so at, at best bad. I'm at I'm, best. I'm glad you said it like that because that is terrible. And let's not forget, and I'm not trying to pick on him, but behind all that, you've got Jake Allen. And not Carter Hutton, because I know you all want him to stay, but he's not. He's yeah, not he's staying. Not. He's gone. He's getting paid to be Carolina's goalie. <laughs> first, first starting goalie. He's just not staying here unless we get rid of Jake Allen and say, Carter Hutton, you're the answer, which, I'm sorry, also a really bad <laughs> idea. Not the answer. Um, so it's there's just so many questions, and there's so much fat to trim, and the fact that we didn't do any of it. Like, even if we just said, okay, there's a six-round pick here, give up Vladimir Savoka for it. Like, I think that's, that's what I mean, get the ball value. rolling. I think that's crappy value for Vladimir Savoka as much as we hate on him. I think you could get more for him. But just to get the body and the contract off your books, if somebody offers you that, then do it. Mm. And that's what was weird to me at the deadline last year was it's like, oh, well, we shot Bergwind and Savoka, but... Nobody got serious enough with their offers. And I'm like, serious enough with their offers for <laughs> Bergwind and Savoka? And then on top of that, I mean, since we we're... We want a gift. <laughs> <laughs> since we're in this deep, Alex Petrangelo and uh, Joel Edmondson are your top pair. Yeah. As it stands right now, Colton Pareko and I guess Vince Dunn are your second pairing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 
you have injured and broken Carl Gunnarsson, injured and broken J. Bo Meester, healthy but broken Robert Portuzo. <laughs> Mentally broken. Uh, Jordan Schmaltz, who's right-handed. Mitch Reinke's right-handed. So we need a third left-handed defenseman. Is Luke Shen left-handed? Find out for us. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, um, but... Um, and then you've got Carter Hutton and Jake Allen, who one of them whom's gone and one of whom's terrible. So it's just like there's so much work to be done, and that's the thing I think that worries me the most is if 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 uh, Doug Armstrong doesn't do lots of work, mm-hmm. this team isn't going to be good next season, no matter what, or at the very least, it's going to be good but an ugly mess. Luke Shen's a righty. Good, is he? So yeah. great. <laughs> so we don't need him. So thanks, Andy Shrekman. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just that's why we're that's why we drafted friggin. He's he's going to be the third line defensive pairing. Is that friggin uh, Prunovich. Prunovich guy? I'm telling you, uh, uh, Scott. Uh, yeah, and then you know all the that doesn't all of that is before you even create the hypothetical space in a dream scenario that. <laughs> Jordan Kyrou <laughs> or Clem Costin. My cat is very upset about she this. She hated the draft. Or uh, Clem Costin or Eric Foley or, you know, Tage Thompson. We didn't. Mm-hmm. You didn't even name Tage Thompson in your thing. Oh, Lord. Yeah, Tage Thompson, I guess, is in there. I guess that makes it better. But then who... He's gotta be one of... He's gotta be one of the wings for Thomas, I guess. So, like, then you don't... But then... Senior Savoka or Verguin's a fourth liner, and then where's Sasha called? There's too much stuff. That's the point. Yeah. There's too many. There's too much stuff, things. and they're not very There's good. There's too much tuna in his mar tuna. <laughs> That's the thing. There's too much stuff, and the stuff just isn't very good. Yeah, <laughs> like... exactly. You have you have basically a a a first line. That doesn't really have a first-line center. And that's not a shot at Brady yeah. Shen. He's an extremely good player. He's just not a playmaking center. We want to be, we want to be nice to our only but thing. for a lot of big chunks of last year, that was one of the best lines in hockey. So, great. You've got a, a stellar first line. And maybe even if you brought in, let's say, a John Tavares, maybe that's not the line you break up. I think you know, I think John yeah. Tavares plays with Vladimir Tarasenko, but maybe not. Um, but So you have a stellar first line. And then you just have, like... 10 to 12 to 14 human beings (laughs) that are paid to play hockey that have to fill some spot Mm -hmm. between in the rest of your roster. And honest to God, I couldn't number them. I think Alex Steen is still the fourth most valuable player there. But after last season, that's more of an indictment on you mm-hmm. than a, uh, you know, I mean, not valuable in the sense that obviously, obviously Robert Thomas is much more valuable, but like the, the most NHL ready impact yeah. player. Um, and that's more of an indictment on you. And then you just have a bunch of bodies that can fill spots, but not really help your team in Sabok and Bergwin. And, and so we can talk about, and, and I'm, I'm down, you know, Tommy Hummel and I had a little bit of a conversation tonight about like, or this afternoon about like we're contender or we were contenders and now we're rebuilding and I'm down to call this a rebuild if we still want to, but that means we have to trade what we have and rebuild, you know, and not like just have a jumbled mess and then figure it'll work itself out. Like pick a direction. That's why we're truly a bubble team mentally. It's like either move forward or start 
purposefully moving backwards. Yeah, and and I think you have the pieces you can retool in a year or two and really be good, but you have to do it. Mm. And that's my concern with Doug Armstrong is he's just not decisive enough to do that. And if he if he can if he can unload if if he unloads Steen Savoka Berglund and um. It's a, and Allen, let's say. Mm. And let's say he signs Robin Lanier, who I don't think is a long-term solution, but will be fine yeah. for the time being. And let's say he brings in whoever, number two goalie, or even says Philly Huso is the backup in the NHL next year. Or Jordan Bennington. That's a direction. And even if he gets, you know, lower, cheaper, shorter-term guys, free agents, to fill some of those extra spots, that's a direction. Because then you're saying we have pieces that we're building around, and as they mature, we'll work them into the lineup. And as players become excess, we'll trade them off for longer-term assets. That's a direction. And yes, it means we're not a playoff team next year, but we weren't a playoff team this year. So let's stop acting like you know we're the cream of the crop or anything. Mm-hmm. We weren't a playoff team because we just collapsed at two different periods of the season, including our last like three games where we needed like one extra point and couldn't take it. You know, so... I don't want to go on too long. We've got a podcast to fill on Thursday. God knows nothing will happen between now and then. Um, But yeah, I mean, my final word is sort of as this next week or so progresses, pick pick a direction for this franchise. And if the direction is we're not going to contend heavily in 2018-19, I'm really fine with that. I don't know that all Blues fans are. I know some of them are really sick of waiting and hearing that. That's great. But you can't make chicken salad out of the extra run of chickens <laughs> and yeah so that's the direction but if that's not the direction you want and you want to contend do it but do it with purpose and don't just be like okay we'll get jeff skinner because he's available that's mm-hmm. not a solution get players you need get players that fill needs you have long term max patch done done oh, <laughs> yeah exactly those aren't solutions they're patches no pun intended but they are patches you know and and um yeah just don't do stupid stuff that's my last Mm. that's my final plea don't drink and drive don't do that that very different (laughs) you just said stupid stuff um yeah i don't know i think this was the one of the worst case scenarios that I was worried about, and we've kind of slowly walked into it. Like you said, in the next week, I hope something happens. But it's a weird offseason where Doug Armstrong said that they really need to improve. I mean, he's kind of verbally picked a direction. It's improving because he said, oh, we've got access to all the, you know, the full cap, and our owners are going to let us do that, and we're going to look to you know improve at center and everything. So if you don't get me a center... I think everyone can say that that was like a failure of an off season then, because you even yourself said we need to improve at center, mm-hmm. and don't you know feed me the Tyler Bozak crap or whatever. Or to be quite honest, Paul Stasny, because you just said you need to get better at center. You get Paul Stasny, then we're just the same as last year. Yeah. So and for longer. Yeah, exactly. So I'd rather get Tyler Bozak for two years than Paul mm, Stasny for four. I guess not because yeah. Paul Stasny is definitely better. But I'd hate to lock down our direction as Paul Stastny's the core of this team for four more years because that's not a decision. It's a non-decision. I'm afraid that we're going to go into the regular season with a pretty much the same lineup 
and then we're going to not do as well. We're not going to have as hot a start as maybe last year, which is going to be rough because we talked about on the podcast on Thursday, they have a really away heavy schedule in the second half of the season. So then you don't maybe don't do so well there. You don't make the playoffs. But point being, I wonder if it takes like a whole half a season of actually being bad to mm-hmm. shock Doug Armstrong into like, oh, I guess we're bad. I didn't notice. Yeah. And then he had, I don't know, then he has to start making those weird December trades where those are like the first trades to pop up. You're, you've been in the season for two months and you're like, okay, now I know what we are, which is bad. Yeah. <laughs> and now I have to make the moves when they're probably not as good as in the summer when you can really think about it and have the time and you don't have to wait for these sharks of teams to be like, oh, I'll trade you whatever you want for, you know, Patrick Berglund, but not really. I'll give you, you know, some awful deal because you just want to get rid of him now. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm hopeful, but I'm, I don't know. I'm hopeful in my heart, my head says no. And I think the other concern is, and and it's similar to the, like, surprising you with badness. I don't think we were a really good team that underperformed five months last year is the right way to read last year. I think it's much more likely that we're we're a pretty average at best team that really overperformed Mm. for the first month. And if we look at ourselves as the good team that underperformed for five months and we try to make moves like that, again, it's just a mistake. And so, yeah, I mean, we're kind of beating a dead horse at this point. We'll wrap it up and, and kind of move on to next week and hope for the best. But I just, I think... I just want there to be a direction. I just want mm. moves that are made with a purpose. And I don't know that Doug Armstrong has done a lot of that in his time here. And Tavares, while he was a nice carrot for a while there and he was the golden goose and he would have totally set the direction for your franchise, which would have been we're John Tavares's team now and we're winning John Tavares a cup, you know, mm-hmm. that didn't happen. It sounds like. And so you got to figure out what's next, John. Or Doug. And that's your job. It's not mine. I give you lots of ideas. So go get the work done. (laughs) Or idea people. Exactly. You have anything else to add? Just tears. Decent decent draft by the Blues. Nothing I'm over the moon about. Lots of work left to be done. We'll talk to you Thursday night. Bye. (laughs)